Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. How many of you have ever run out of gas? How many of you have ever run out of, your, out of gas in your car? This is not rhetorical. Come on, raise your hands, people. This is church. Be honest. How many of you have ever run out of gas? Awesome. It's a lot of us. So um, I used to run out of gas a lot. I used to play this game with my car where it says, like, how many miles till empty? And so I'd be like, oh, how low can I go? And I'd be, like, down for, like, seeing how low I can get it until I run out of gas. And it happened a lot where I ran out of gas. And so this one time in particular that was really bad, um, I was doing an internship in North Carolina at a church. And um, I, wa- I was, like, looking to, um, you know, make some side money. So there was this really cute town, maybe, like, 30 or 40 minutes away from where I was living that had a really cute breakfast place. And I thought it would be so cool to be a waitress there. So one day I'm driving out there, and I'm playing this game with my car, and I'm like, let's go. How low can I go until it, till it gets empty? And so I'm driving out there, and lo and behold, I run out of gas. I'm, like, so close to my destination but I ran out of gas, and I'm like 30 minutes away from all my friends. I'm like way too embarrassed to call anyone and ask for help, so I'm just sitting there in my car, out of gas, in like nowhere, North Carolina. There's like a farm next to me, and I'm like, this stinks. What am I going to do? How many of you can relate to that feeling? It's like, what am I going to do now? I'm stuck here. Like, I'm, like, it's disappointing. It's deflating. There's no feeling like it. It's like, oh, man, I'm stuck. What am I supposed to do? And so you can multiply that feeling by like 12 trillion, and you will have just scratched the surface of how brokenhearted the disciples must have been when Jesus was crucified. Jesus was their best friend. They all dropped everything to follow him. They all devoted three years of their life to following him. They believed he was the Messiah, the one that was going to save them. And he was crucified on a cross in front of them. Can you imagine how disappointing that must have been for them? Can you imagine how brokenhearted they must have been, how sad and upset and confused and that feeling of, what do we do now? What now? And so um, we can find ourselves in that same situation um, in our lives where we were in a, in a crossroads or we're in a situation where we find ourselves brokenhearted, where we find ourselves disappointed or deflated, or where we're asking the questions, what now, God? What am I supposed to do now? I, I've done all of this. I thought I was doing the plan, and now this? This is so unexpected. What am I supposed to do? Am I stuck in this situation forever? Am I stuck with this diagnosis? Am I stuck with this financial problem? Am I stuck with this burden? Am I stuck in this relationship? Am I stuck with this addiction? We can so oftentimes in our lives relate to the disciples when they were locked in that room looking at each other, disappointed, deflated, brokenhearted. But what I love is that in this passage we're about to read, Jesus comes and he shows himself to the disciples three times. And he gives the disciples exactly what they need to pick themselves up and to get out of that room and to just go on this fresh start that Jesus wants to take them on. 
and in our lives, in your life, when you find yourself in that room where you're brokenhearted and disappointed and you don't know what to do and you're asking God, what now? He wants to come into that room and he wants to pick you up, give you exactly what you need and bring you on a fresh start. So with every broken heart, Jesus creates a fresh start. And so what I want to do is I want to look at these three encounters in John uh, 20 and 21. And, and it says in there, I believe that each of these encounters is so intentional and is written to teach us something. Because in the middle of all of this, it says that Jesus did many signs in front of the disciples that are not recorded in this book. But these are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you will have life in him. So why these three encounters? So we're going to look at this, and hopefully I'm praying that God will speak to your heart this morning and that he will um, just give you courage and he will uh, just um, encourage you this morning and, and you will feel refreshed on your, at your soul. And I'm just so excited for what the Lord wants to do this morning. So could we just pray and then we're going to jump into it. Are you guys ready? All right, so Heavenly Father, Jesus, I thank you, God, for the plan that you have for us this morning. And I thank you, God, that in the midst of every broken heart, you have prepared for us a fresh start. And God, I thank you that you are not done with us, that you don't leave us or forsake us, but God, you have a plan and a destiny over our lives. And so, God, we just thank you this morning and we worship you. I pray you would soften our hearts and speak to us, Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. All right, so I'm ready to have some fun this morning. First service, I was so nervous. This service, let's go. Are you guys ready? All right, all right. John chapter 20, 19 to 23, this is the first encounter that Jesus has with his disciples after he is resurrected from the dead. It says, that evening, the disciples gathered together, and because they were afraid of reprisals from the Jewish leaders, they had locked the doors to the place where they met. But suddenly, Jesus appeared among them and said, peace to you. Then he showed them the wounds of his hands and his side, and they were overjoyed to see the Lord with their own eyes. Jesus repeated his greeting, peace to you, and he told them, just as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. Then, taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins, and the people's sins will be forgiven. But if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. So here we have the disciples locked in a room. They're afraid to go out. They're sitting there brokenhearted, disappointed. Their best friend just died. And then all of a sudden, he just comes through the walls. I don't even, the door was locked. I don't even know how that can happen. But all of a sudden, Jesus appears and he says, peace to you. And it says the disciples were overjoyed. I think that's probably an understatement. I can't imagine how amazed they must have been. Like he, they saw him die on a cross, and now here he is coming through the locked door. And he, he says, peace to you. And then I love what he does here because the disciples are sitting there feeling like their story has ended, feeling like um, disappointed and brokenhearted and, and not knowing what comes next. And here Jesus comes and it says he 
he blew on them. That same word, it says he breathes on them, is the same word that they use uh, when God breathed life into Adam. So I believe it's saying that Jesus breathes on them. He gives them new life in that moment. He gives them a new sense of purpose in that moment. And he says, hey, guys, just as I came to this earth for a purpose and, and God sent me, now here I am sending you. And he's saying, if you guys don't go preach the gospel, no one's going to know I'm out here forgiving sins. So you guys have to get out of this room, and you have a purpose, and you have to go and preach the gospel. And he gives them fresh life, fresh purpose, new meaning, just when they thought their story has ended. Here comes Jesus saying, I'm alive. I'm still here. I've had a plan all along. I'm faithful, and here's your new life. Here's your new purpose. And I know that um, that speaks to me, and I hope that that speaks to you, is when you're in that place where the disciples were, feeling locked in a room, scared of the unknown, disappointed, brokenhearted, thinking, God, what now? Is this the end of my story? Am I stuck here? God wants to come into your room, and he wants to show you that he's had a plan all along. He wants to show you that he's faithful, he wants to include you in his plan and give you new life and fresh purpose. A couple months ago um, in youth group, our ping pong table broke. And that might not sound like a big deal, but let me tell you, that's huge. <laughs> like when you're in a room with a bunch of kids and no ping pong table, what are you going to do? So I needed a new ping pong table. And so uh, a couple days after I saw that our ping pong table broke, I got online, I'm looking online for ping pong tables, and they're all so expensive, and you can read the description, and it says how many hours it takes to put together, and I'm thinking, you can times that by five, and that's how many hours it will take me to put it together, and I'm just, like, feeling so, like, oh, man, I, what's going to happen? Like, I love playing ping pong. It's, like, totally selfish. I love playing ping pong with the students, and so I, I was really wanting a ping pong table, and so... I just sat in my chair, and I was like, God, please, like, I just kind of just shot one of those prayers up to the sky. I was like, please, Jesus, just, I just want a ping pong table, and that was kind of it. You know, I was like, God, please, ping pong table. I've told this story at youth before, um, but so then a couple of days after that, um, Pastor Ben Murray called me, and he's like, hey, Bryn, I don't know if this is even going to matter to you, but someone in our church um, has a ping pong table, and they're looking to donate it. And I was like, what? I was like, you have to be kidding me. Dude, yes, I want it. I, I literally was just looking for a ping pong table online. And he was like, oh, no way, cool, sweet. And it was like not a big deal to him. To me, I was like, God, <laughs> you hear me? You know me. Like, it was amazing. I was so stoked. So then a couple days later, my mom calls me on the phone, and she's like, hey, Bran, I don't know if you could use this, but me and dad were walking, and we found a ping pong table on the side of the road. <laughs> I was like, mom, <laughs> you have to be kidding me. No way. I was like, heck yeah, I'll take it. We could use it. So literally the next week at work, I get delivered to me. I don't even have to go pick them up. They're delivered to me, two ping pong tables. <laughs> I know, come on. Come on. Like, not just one, not just two. I don't have to put them together. I don't have to go pick them up. Like, I get two ping pong tables delivered to me. 
I couldn't even tell you how much, like, how amazed I was at that. But I, I set them up in the youth room. I, you know, unfolded them. And they had all the pins, all the paddles, all the nets, like everything you could want in a ping pong table, these two things had. And it was just amazing. It was better than the old one that broke. Like, it was so sick. So I set them up. And I put a worship song on down in the youth bay, and I, I start cleaning them because they were, like, a little dirty from being on the side of the road. So I'm under the ping pong tables, like, scrubbing them clean, getting them all nice and ready for youth group. And I'm listening to this worship song. I'm just, like, singing, and I'm, like, so pumped. I'm, like, yes, and cleaning. And then I realize, I'm, like, I'm crying. Like, I'm bawling right now, and I'm just worshiping, and I'm so thankful, and I, I just... I can't even believe it. I'm just like overcome by God's faithfulness to me. And I know it sounds silly because it's about ping pong tables. But what I needed in that moment was to be reminded of the faithfulness of God that when he promises to take care of me, he's going to do it. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And maybe you're in this room this morning and you're thinking, man, does God see me? I'm in this room and I'm brokenhearted and I'm disappointed and I'm afraid. God, you even see me. He wants to remind you this morning that he is faithful. He's had a plan for you all along. And he wants to include you in that plan and breathe new life and fresh purpose into you. He doesn't want to leave you there. Your story is not done yet. Your story doesn't end in that brokenhearted situation. He wants to pick you up and lead you out and give you a new life and a new purpose and remind you of his goodness and his faithfulness to you. So I believe the purpose of this first encounter with the disciples is so that Jesus, um, in, your pl- in the place of their brokenness, he gave them exactly what they needed, and he breathed fresh life, and he showed them that he's had a plan and that he is faithful. Jesus didn't forget about them. In every brokenhearted situation, there's a fresh start. So in this next encounter you can turn to John 20, 24 to 29. It says, One of the twelve wasn't present when Jesus appeared to them. It was Thomas, whose nickname was the twin. So the disciples informed him, We have seen the Lord with our own eyes. Still unconvinced, Thomas replied, There's no way I'm going to believe this unless I personally see the wounds of the nails in his hands, touch them with my finger, and put my hand into the wound of his side where he was pierced. Then eight days later, which I think this is crazy, they were in that place for eight days. They were locked in a room for eight days. Thomas and all the others were in the house together, and even though the doors were locked, Jesus suddenly stood before them. Peace to you, he said. Then, looking into Thomas's eyes, he said, put your finger here in the wounds of my hands. Here, put your hand into my wounded side and see for yourself. Thomas, don't give in to your doubts any longer. Just believe. Then the words spilled out of his heart. You are my Lord. You are my God. Jesus responded, Thomas, now that you've seen me, you believe. But there are those who have never seen me with their eyes, but have believed in me with their hearts. And they will be blessed even more. So I love this encounter 
so much. If I had to pick a favorite of the three, this might be it. But um, I love this encounter so much because Jesus just shows his kindness when he says, it says he looked into Thomas's eyes. He knew exactly what Thomas needed to go all in, to feel safe, to believe again, to trust again. And he says, Thomas, look at the wounds of my hand. And I was reading the footnotes of my Bible, which can come in clutch sometimes. Shout out to footnotes. And they were saying that um, that word in Aramaic, the wounds of my hands, it's what it is, is it's called a blossom of nails, which means when Jesus is on the cross and the mallet, um, you know, put the nail into Jesus' hand, when it hit the nail, the nail had exploded and made even more scars on Jesus' hands. So when Jesus is saying, like, put your hand on my scar. We always picture it, at least I always pictured it like, you know, he's been using Mederma for a couple days, so it's probably nice and smooth and light pink and like the size of a quarter. But these scars were gnarly. Like these scars were probably just huge and, and probably breathtaking. And when Jesus is staring into Thomas's eyes and he knew that Thomas needed to see his wounds in his hands and his eyes, he said, Thomas, put your finger in my wounds. He's, what Jesus is saying is, Thomas, I did this for you. He's saying, Thomas, I'm safe. You can trust me again. You can believe me. Um, a couple chapters in, before this, in John 11, Thomas has this incredible moment of bravery. He kind of gets, you know, this like doubting Thomas reputation because of this passage. But we all forget that in John 11, Thomas had this awesome moment of courage and bravery and devotion to Jesus when Jesus said he was going to go back to Judea to raise Lazarus from the dead. All of his disciples were like, no, don't go. We all know that they're going to stone you there. But Thomas pipes up, and Thomas says, let's go with him, and let's die with him. So Thomas, the one who was willing to die for Jesus, can you imagine? He gave all of his devotion to this man, and then when he died on a cross, I can't imagine how brokenhearted he must have been. So for Thomas to give his heart again, he had to be sure. So when Jesus is looking into his eyes saying, Thomas, put your finger in my wounds, Thomas, it spills out of his heart. The devotion once again spills out of his heart as he puts his, all of his devotion and, and all of his trust into Jesus again. And he says, you are my Lord. You are my God. Thomas so easily trusts Jesus again. No matter what disappointment he faced, he puts all of his devotion, all of his trust back into Jesus. And I love this because I know for me, I admire Thomas for this because um, in my life, it's so easy for me to put my disappointments onto God and be like, God, look, you didn't come through for me, so I'm not going to trust you. But we can see Thomas, once he sees that Jesus is safe, he puts all of his trust and devotion back into him. And I just, I think that there's someone in here this morning that needs to see Jesus looking into their eyes saying, touch my wounds. I did this for you. I, I, I stayed on that cross for you. You were going through my mind. And I believe that Jesus is telling you, I'm safe. Trust me again. No matter what disappointment you faced, this is me. I'm good. You can trust me. 
Um, David writes in Psalm 91, David's um, running through the wilderness, fleeing his enemies. He's in, in a horrible um, life and death situation. He writes in the Psalms, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. There is no safer place to be than in the hands of Jesus. There's no better place to give all of your devotion. There's no, no better person to give your life to. There's no safer person to go all in with than Jesus Christ. So I believe the purpose of this second in encounter is for us to know that Jesus is safe. He's worthy of our trust. He is good and we can give him all of our devotion no matter what disappointment we've faced. So this third, this third encounter, we continue in John 21. I'm going to read verses 15 to 17, but I want to give a little bit of backstory to this encounter. So this one has to do with the disciple Peter. And um, so on the night that Jesus was arrested, uh, Jesus had dinner with all of his disciples. And Jesus is saying, hey, uh, one of you guys are going to betray me. And Peter says, I would never betray you. I will lay my life down for you right now. And Jesus says, don't be so quick to speak, Peter. Like before the rooster crows, you are going to deny me three times. So lo and behold, the night that Jesus is arrested, Peter denies Jesus three times. And on the third time, a rooster crows. And I can't imagine uh, the shame Peter must have felt. I can't imagine just how sorry he must have been, how bad he felt. He denied his best friend to his face three times, then he's crucified on a cross. Like, that could make you feel ashamed. <laughs> and so um, what happens is in this encounter, um, Peter eventually says to the disciples, they're in this room, Peter kind of gets up one night and he's like, guys, I'm going fishing. And I think this is significant because before Peter started following Jesus, he was a fisherman. So when Peter gets up and says, guys, I'm going fishing, he's saying, guys, forget this. Like, maybe this is going to work for all of you guys. Maybe, you know, encountering Jesus is going to work for you guys and being a part of his new plan. But I'm going back to fishing. I'm going back to what I've always known. I'm going back to what I've always done. So a couple of the disciples follow Peter, and they get in a boat, and um, they're fishing all night, and they catch nothing. And then as the dawn is breaking, uh, there's a man that appears on the shore, and he says, hey, guys, cast your nets to the other side of the boat. So the disciples cast their nets on the other side, and they end up catching a ton of fish. And so one of the disciples looks at the man on shore, and he's like, guys, I think that's the Lord. And so they all look, and they're like, yeah, so Peter jumps off the boat into the sea. And I'm not sure if he jumps off the boat and, like, swims to shore because he wants to be the first one to get to Jesus, or I'm not sure if he jumped off the boat because he wanted to hide from Jesus because he was so ashamed. But nevertheless, he jumps off the boat, and when he gets to shore, Jesus has a charcoal fire brewing, and he's cooking breakfast for the disciples. And I can't imagine what Peter thought he was going to walk into when he got to shore. He probably thought Jesus was going to, like, give it to him. Like, man, how could you deny me three times? Like, Peter probably thought he was going to get an earful. He thought he was going to be in trouble. But instead, Jesus had a charcoal fire and a breakfast laid out for all of them. So... 
picking it up in verse 15. It says, after they had breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me more than these? Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my lambs, Jesus said. Jesus repeated his question a second time. Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me? Peter answered, yes, my Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Then Jesus asked him again, Peter, son of John, do you have great affection for me? Peter was saddened by being asked the third time and said, my Lord, you know everything. You know that I burn with love for you. Jesus replied, then feed my lambs. So I think that this story is so, so significant because Peter must have been sitting around that fire with all of the disciples just riddled with shame, riddled with regret. And he was probably trying to like dodge eye contact, like trying not to like look at Jesus. And, and then all of a sudden Jesus just calls him out. And he says, Simon, do you love me? And he says, yeah, I love you. The second time, Simon, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. And then the third time, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. And I think that's significant because um, on the third time, Jesus calls him Peter, which is the new name Jesus gave him. He was Simon, now he's Peter. And so this is the new name Jesus gave him. And, and it's, he says, I will now call you Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So Jesus is reminding Peter that no matter what mistakes were made, no, no matter what shame he's dealing with right now, no matter what he's done in the past, he still has a calling on his life to be the rock of the church. And so I believe that this message is for us. It's for the person in here that, that is riddled with shame. It's for the person in here that is just so consumed with their past. Jesus is saying, I, ca I came to forgive sins. Repent and your sins will be forgiven. And I want to call you higher. You don't have to go back to what you've always done. Peter, you don't have to go back to fishing. You're supposed to be the rock of my church. Don't let the shame hold you back. He's saying to Peter, I have amazing grace. He's saying, you're redeemed. Three times Peter denied him, and now three times he had a chance to say, Jesus, I love you. So Jesus just wipes Peter's slate totally clean and gives him a fresh start and is reminding Peter that he has a higher calling on his life that no mistake can mess up, that you cannot derail your destiny by some past mistake. But when you repent in your heart, Jesus knows your heart and, and your sins are forgiven. You have an incredible destiny over your life. Romans 8 27 to 28 says, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Jesus can turn any story into a testimony. Jesus has such amazing grace for you and he wants you this morning the purpose of this third encounter is he doesn't want you sitting in that room with the door locked going back to what you've always done because you have shame he wants to free you from that and forgive your sins and remind you that you have a calling on your life that you are called to do incredible things so if the band can come up I'm gonna um, close out we can all relate to feeling like the disciples did in that room on that day. 
with the door locked, scared to go out, feeling brokenhearted, disappointed, confused, feelings of what am I supposed to do now? What's next? Is there even a plan? Like, what am I supposed to do? And, and um, Jesus wants to tell you this morning that he has always had a plan for your life and that he is faithful and your story isn't over yet. He wants to show you the wounds in his hands and remind you that he is good and he is safe and you can trust him again. And he wants to remind you of his amazing grace and remind you of the calling that is on your life. He wants to give you exactly what you need and pick you up out of that room and show you that you have a fresh start. I know that in my life, I have been in that room a bunch of times. Normally in seasons of transition or change where I feel like I, um, you know, devoted myself to the Lord and now I'm kind of like, what what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? Was this the plan? And I can so easily um, just become, um, you know, confused and, and forget who God is and how good he is and forget his faithfulness over my life. But every time I find myself in that brokenhearted situation or I find myself confused and thinking, God, what now? Every time he comes and he picks me up and he shows me that I have a fresh start in him. He shows me that he has a plan and he's not through with me. He shows me that he's safe. He's worthy to be trusted. He shows me that he has a calling over my life. And he has amazing grace and that any shame that I'm dealing with, I can't let that hold me back from what God has for me. And so maybe this morning you're in that place where you feel like you're in that room and you're afraid and you don't know what's next. And maybe you're brokenhearted or you're disappointed or something happened that's out of the blue and and you don't know where to go from here. Jesus wants to come where you are, meet you where you're at, and he wants to pick you up and show you that you have a fresh start. So if everyone could uh, stand with me, I want to remind you that we have a prayer team in the back. If you feel like you need someone to just partner with you in prayer, um, I want to encourage you to just go back there and go up to someone and just ask them to pray for you. But if you feel like you're in that room and you need a fresh start this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. That's awesome. So we're going to pray, and then we're just going to continue in worship this morning. In every brokenhearted situation, Jesus creates a fresh start. So Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you Um, for your love for us. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you, Jesus, that you do not leave us in a brokenhearted situation, but God, you pick us up and you give us a fresh start. Jesus, I thank you for your character, for who you are. I thank you, God, that um, you have so much more for us. And so, Lord, for the person in here that is feeling hopeless, 
for the person here that doesn't know where to go, for the person here that is confused. I pray that you would speak to their heart this morning, Jesus, and that you would show them how much you love them, show them how faithful you've been, how you've always had a plan, God, how you want to pick them up and pull them out, God, how you have a calling over their life. Jesus, we just say this morning that we put our trust in you again. And we just say that you are so good. You are so good, Jesus, and we love you and we thank you. And we just worship you this morning. In your name, everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.